The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the second chapter. Our Gospel this morning comes from John chapter 2 verses 13 through 25 and can be found on page 1648 of your pew Bible. John records, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem and in the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. And others were sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple that he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what it was in each person. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, this is important, so, so hear me. Hear me now. If we're not careful, we can get kind of an impression that Jesus is two different people. What I mean by that, in last week's gospel, in Mark 8, we read that uh, Peter or that he rebuked Peter, and he said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then at another time, we read about Jesus that he went on a rant against the scribes and the Pharisees. And among other things, he called them <laughs> children of hell, blind fools. He called them white 
whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He called them serpents, vipers, and murderers. And then today, in the gospel, we read about Jesus braiding a whip. And he's driving out the merchants. And he's tossing tables. Now if we contrast that to this Jesus, there is a, there's a Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. You remember that Jesus? On the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew records, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Jesus further said, And if anyone forces you to go just one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it, it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So on the one hand, in today's gospel, it seems like we got kind of a, a Chuck Norris kind of guy that opens up that can and, and just whoops on him. And we have Jesus who, who, you know, the Jesus who comes to cause chaos in the temple. Then on the other hand, the teachings from the Sermon of the Mount seem to show us kind of a Mr. Rogers neighborhood, kind of let's all get along neighbor kind of Jesus. A Jesus who wants everyone to love and to get along. A, a person could become quite confused about Jesus and his teachings and his work if we are not careful to understand what exactly was happening here in today's gospel. So a little bit of background information is warranted um, to help us understand what the reasoning was, what it meant to the people that witnessed this, and what it means to us today. So buckle up. In the temple, on the grounds, was a very special place, and it was called the Court of Gentiles. And while there were many places in the temple that were totally off-limits to Gentiles, this was one area of the temple that was set aside for Gentiles, non-Jews, people like you and me. Anyone who loved God, regardless of his origin, could come to the court of the Gentiles and worship God there. And at the dedication of the first temple, Solomon praised these words as recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. He said, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your great mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, 
hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. Further, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 56, he said, The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So the court of the Gentiles was a place where anyone could come and find solitude and peace in the presence of God. Now, the only thing is that when Jesus, when he stepped into the court of the Gentiles, it sounded like and it smelled like more of a stockyard than it did a place of solitude and peace. You see, God's holy house seemed more like a shopping mall on the day after Thanksgiving than a place of prayer and meditation. The banking and merchandising were keeping God's gifts away from God's people. And one of the many things that we can learn from the Bible is that God takes action when someone or something prevents his people from receiving his gifts. Well, we know that Jesus is God, right? And we should expect Jesus to take action when his people are not able to receive his gifts. Jesus spoke against the scribes and the Pharisees for giving people their opinions instead of God's gifts. Jesus scolded Peter because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from giving the greatest gift of all. Jesus took action in the temple because his people were not able. They were being impeded from receiving his gifts. So when God's people are not able to receive God's gifts, Jesus responds. He takes action against those who block the gifts. And Jesus warned those who would block his gifts with these words recorded in Mark chapter 9. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now, given the serious nature of this warning, we really should examine ourselves on a regular basis. Have we ever prevented God's people from receiving God's gifts in God's house? How sad it is 
to read in today's gospel. It really is sad. The sad thing is the reaction of the Jewish authorities. Did you hear what they said? You know, they, they should have been ecstatic or at least grateful that Jesus cleared out the merchants and the money changers. They should have never let this situation develop in the first place. When the first vendor applied for permission to sell his wares in the temple courts, they should have said no. Instead, these guys, they got angry with Jesus. And that's sad. The merchants were profaning the temple, and they, the temple authorities, should have known better, questioned the one person who was trying to set things right. Wow. The temple authorities should have praised Jesus for making it possible for the Gentiles to receive God's gifts in the temple. But instead, they began to cross-examine him. They said, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus responded with one of those answers that no one understood until after he rose from the dead. You remember he answered them this, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. And John himself tells us that it was only after Jesus rose from the dead that the disciples understood that Jesus meant himself when he said, destroy this temple. In short, Jesus was saying this. He says, destroy me and I will raise from the dead in three days. And with these words, Jesus is saying, I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. In Christ's words, they're more than a figure of speech. He is the ultimate temple. After all, the temple is the place where God makes himself known to his people. And Jesus is God in flesh. So you should tell the kids, God with skin on. And when Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up, he was doing more than giving a sign to the temple authorities. Jesus cleared out the temple with a, with a whip made of cords. And these words destroy this, tel- this temple. Well, they tell us that he used something much more precious to cleanse us from sin. You see, he allowed the authorities to abuse his temple, the temple of his body. And we know that they arrested him. We know that they beat him. And we know that after all that, they nailed him to a tree. They did everything that they could, that they could think of, to destroy the temple of his body. And in this way, it produced the cleansing agent that cleans away all of our sin. It is his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death that delivers us. 
Jesus also said this, in three days I will raise it up. This is the sign of the resurrection. It is in his resurrection from the dead that we have the sure and certain hope that our sins are gone. And as the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts, we know that Jesus has moved into us and we are now temples ourselves, temples of God. Now Paul wrote a letter to, several letters, but uh, here's two, three excerpts from his letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? And further he says, God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And again, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So, the God-man who took action to cleanse his temple made of stone has promised that he will purify our temples. He will purify our temples of flesh. And just as he brought his temple back from the dead, so also he promises that he will come one day to raise all of our temples back to life. And on that day, he will give eternal life in both body and soul to all who believe in him. In the name of Jesus, amen.